This show is brought to you by Archivos. www.archivos.digital helping organize and manage your original and fan fiction stories. And by Audible. Get a free audiobook when you sign up today. audibletrial.com backslash sci-fi diner. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. Good evening. I am Miles from Glockman. Hi, I'm Sierra Garcia. And it is great to be back in the diner tonight. And it's good to have everyone here. It is. It is. It's Hello. good. It's good. It's, we're all here, and it's great. And we're talking. We're talking Game of Thrones tonight. Game of Thrones. What a season finale. Yes, what a season finale. We mentioned that we were going to do this two weeks ago, and I think the finale had just happened right prior to that. That sounds yeah. right. Yeah, and so we said, you know what? Let's give people about two, three weeks to kind of digest it. Then we'll talk about it. And we're just warning you up front that we're talking about Game of Thrones tonight. So, hey, if you didn't watch it yet, you probably should stop the show because we will probably spoil it. Dave Sellers, I'm talking to you. Probably. No, we will. We're definitely going to spoil this junk. Yeah. Absolutely. 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 But... But we have a little. We have a few other things we're going to talk about, and uh, we're going to get into that. Miles, what is on the menu tonight? So our menu, we're going to discuss. I uh, talk about a little, little what's going on in our sci-fi world. We got some J.J. Abrams news as it relates to Star Trek. What? I know uh, Star Wars. I mean, <laughs> uh, that was why my comment was that. Yes, <laughs> I, I had a moment myself there. I was yeah. like, "Whoa, he's back!" In- well, he probably <laughs> will be. You know, yeah. in a few more years. Give it, give, give it a few years. Yeah. We'll be hearing that again. No, he'll be directing the uh, movie for Orville. <laughs> the, oh, boy. <laughs> uh, of course, we're going to be talking about our, our Game of Thrones finale and our Sci-Fi 5 and 5. Awesome. Well, thank you for the menu there, Miles. Sure, certainly. Sounds delicious. That. All right. And with that, there's like a big thud. There's a big thud, like a dead silence there. I, I, don't, I got nothing. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> sounds delicious. It sounds <laughs> well. It's some great popcorn. Oh. Well, oh, let's talk about our before we do, before you derail this, which you've probably done, Ray. Let's yeah. talk about um, what is going on in um, in our sci-fi world. And uh, Miles M, who wants to start here? Let M go first. Oh, so M, I guess you're going first. Because Miles loves me. He does. We need you to rescue you this. You don't like me very much, but Miles at least like. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, I went to see Inhumans. Yeah, Inhumans. So that is I went to a, see the it, IMAX it's, Inhumans. It's a, it's a it's a TV show, right? Yeah, so it's a TV show that launches, I think, at the end of the month. September 29th. 
the first broadcast date? Is that right? Yeah, September 29th, Miles says. So it was released in theaters as a promotional like junket, and you could watch episodes. Part you could watch the pilot, part one and two, uh, in IMAX at a couple different theaters. So I went to go see it um, uh, last Friday, and I I left after part one. Ooh. Um, so I'm gonna wait until the show actually comes out on television because I know not everybody paid to go see it. And as much as I'm a like, well, suck it if you hear spoilers. It's really that like I got to see it in the theater. Okay. So I don't want to spoil it for people. Well, maybe it's, it's better. Maybe it's better in the small screen. I mean, I think it was. It's meant for television. It is. It was a neat idea to 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 put it out there in in theaters. Um, it was a great quick money grab. <laughs> they got they got twelve of my dollars. Um, there's just I have problems with it, but I think I need to see it again. I actually have to sit through the whole thing because I walked out after the first part. I just couldn't stomach it. It's there's something missing. Can, that's, can, that's now, with, without giving spoilers, is there anything you can tell us as to what was kind of the thing that made you say, you know what, I, I, I it's better for me to walk out than to spend the the rest of my six dollars here. So, the production quality was not really that great, and. Um, Medusa's the, some of the costuming is really kind of it was it harkened back to like Battlestar Galactica 1970s mm. like it just felt it felt like a cartoon like a comedy that took itself too seriously and the only people who knew it was a comedy were the people watching it mm. so I feel like there were flaws some pretty big flaws in 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 its delivery system but mm. So yeah, so it may be something that you know when we go to the theaters, we expect a certain caliber of thing on the big screen, and I think so. And yeah. it's a, and there may be a little bit of difference when we sit in our homes and watch it. Exactly. So so maybe maybe it's not. I mean, obviously, we, we maybe we're a little bit more forgiving on some production stuff when it's on the small screen than we are when we see you know Avengers. It's, yeah, it's Marvel, so like your my expectations are high already. Oh, Uber, Uber high, yeah. So I wonder if, I, and I'm going to give myself like a moment to step back and say, you know, maybe I set the expectations too high because, you know, Ragnarok is coming, which I already bought tickets for. I saw. <laughs> I that looks good. Tickets. I can't wait to see that. And um, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, I didn't love, but it was really gorgeous. It was really well done. And Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s finally getting into its own, so... I'm. I need to give Inhumans another chance, which I will, because I don't. I don't want to ever like. I don't ever want a flyer Firefly situation. Right. Um, and then along that, speaking of Marvel, I kind of I binge watched the Defenders, and I feel like I need to give that a second watch too. It was fun. It was really fun. I don't know if you guys have watched it yet. I have. I enjoyed it. I have. Not. It was very cool. And then last night I watched the Orville, which is the new um, Seth. Uh, McFarland, yeah, like sci-fi show. It's really it's okay. So it's a little tongue-in-cheeky, but it's very Seth McFarland, and it's it's pretty good. I liked it. Yeah, I've, I liked it a lot. I, had a, I heard a lot of good stuff. I heard the stuff I was reading on Facebook was like, you know, this is the first Seth McFarland show I liked. So I mean, I mean, so this guy obviously was not a Seth McFarland fan, but kind of liked this. And yeah. um, I was talking to one of our janitors at school, Dave Sellers, who listens to our show. Hi, Dave. And Hi, he, Dave. yeah, he said, 
He said he laughed out loud numerous times during the Orville. So he, he liked it. He liked it. So. That's awesome. That's yeah. Oh, that's good. I liked it. I thought it was fun. It was different. Um, in now, the, in it that it was it didn't take itself too seriously, but it also wasn't like it wasn't like tongue in cheek. It was yeah. it was like they they respect the com the comedic work that they're doing. There there were laugh out loud moments, so I enjoyed it. So and let me then, ask let me ask yeah. you this: Is this something that I could sit down and watch with Kiefer? Or is yeah, it I, too I adult? think some of the I would watch the first episode. There's um, the very beginning. You see uh, Seth MacFarlane's character walking in walking home opening the bedroom door and um he catches his wife in bed with a creature with another being um and it's that's a that might be like the but it's not like they're doing anything and everything's well covered up i would give it a watch first and see how you feel okay there's some double entendre which i'm pretty sure would go over his head but maybe but it's there's minimal it was really good good well you know it's one of the one of the concerns I have about this new Star Trek that's coming out. So, you know, it gets an M rating, a mature rating on you know, yeah. Discovery. And Star Trek has always been, when you deal with all the franchises from Enterprise up to Deep Space Nine, the type of, for the most part, 95% of the time, maybe even higher than that, that you've been able to sit down with your kids and watch a show. It's been a very yeah. family show. And this is not going to be Discovery. No, Discovery will be a little. More no, so you know, I was, you know, I was chatting. Uh, you, you know, again, I was chatting with the said janitor Dave again, and he was just saying, you know, that is one of the concerns. You know, mm-hmm. that's something we should get into. I would like to know more about the show. I'm pretty sure Miles, being our resident Star Trek guru, um, he could give us a good a good spiel on that. But I have I have very little information on this new show, so I'm 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 wondering if it's a good idea. I'd like to hear from Miles because I trust his opinion about Star Trek, but I also kind of want to stay in the dark too, because I want to just, in, I want to sit in the, like I've said before, it, sit in childlike wonder and just enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but I would like to know a little bit more about it. Do you want to, do you have any thoughts on Miles? I mean, what you I know don't so recall far? as far as content, what they say would, would make it a mature rating yet. I mean, they've, I don't know if it's, if it's the language or, are they showing some skin? They they didn't really say so until I see the pilot. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, okay. I, I couldn't really you know draw anything as far as all the all the uh, um, the teasers and trailers. They they've they've looked you know fairly you know PG PG you know PG thirteen. So don't know what what content is going to make it mature. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll find. And then also on the Star Trekky front, um, my dear close personal friend uh, Admiral Tom Robinson, um, he's the guy who invented the game Artemis. Um, it's a spaceship bridge simulator. Um, he has just asked me to be the voice of the bad guy and of a good guy on his new video game. That's awesome. Congratulations. Oh, that's great. Yeah, congrats. I have a video game gig. It's called Grimdark. We're still at the very beginnings of it. The dialogue looks really cool. Uh, I need to sit down and, and finish recording it. Um, but in my little sci-fi nerd world, I get to be in a video game. I'm are you going to let us know when psyched. Are you going to let us know when this video game comes out? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
That absolutely. Would be absolutely um, awesome. We can promote it here. Like, I absolutely, absolutely. And I, I was gonna have um, Admiral Tom come on, and he's a he's an amazingly sweet dude. Um, did you want to have him? Did you want to have him on the show? Yeah. No, let's do it. I'll talk to Tom. Yeah, we'll figure uh, out. I'm used something. to calling him Admiral Tom because when we play, we all have stations, and I usually play communications, and I'm also kind of surly. So there'll be moments where our, I have to yell at the captain, Captain, I've asked them to surrender, and they did. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally so, you. That's not stretching. It is totally <laughs> me. But it's super fun. The, it, you, can, you can play with like three people, but we usually network up like six different computers, so there's different stations. And you've got engineering, and you've got, um, you've got com- communications, you've got helm, you've got... Um, uh, weapons. It's a super cool game. So that's been that's a beloved game by many nerds across the the multiverse. So I'm excited for Grimdark and to see what's gonna what's gonna happen with this new this whole new world that that Tom's creating. Awesome. Well, very. So that's very my cool. sci-fi fantasy world. Very good. Very good. Uh, Miles, how about you? So I, I saw War for the Planet of the Apes at the Cheap Theater uh, Sunday evening, and uh, I liked it. And I looked at. Um, Box office mojo. I mean, they 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 made their money back and then some, but I'm not sure with the way they ended it if uh, it'll get another one or not. Um, oh, no. So there's it's just not not definite, but there's ni- nice homages to the original films. I'd be curious what Dayton Ward uh, thought of it. Um, also saw the the premiere of the Orville. I enjoyed it also. It's uh, the, the sci-fi sets kind of have like a. 80s 90s feel so i think it's just yes. so i think it's, it, it's part of uh mcfarland's love for for star trek next generation probably it works though yeah. it, it totally works this is this science fiction is not going to necessarily challenge you that much but you're gonna have a good time and you're gonna have a few laughs when you're watching it and maybe it'll maybe make fun of some other sci-fi but do it in a loving way uh as far as what I'm reading, I am reading the Star Trek Enterprise novel Patterns of Interference by Christopher Bennett. Uh, I haven't read a, anything in, in the Enterprise universe in a while, so it's fun to, to get back in that world. Uh, as far as TV, there's not a lot going on at the moment till the fall shows come back and the new stuff. So, But uh, the, the show, The Last Ship, is back on, and it's, it's kind of ended the world dystopian, so that's kind of where it qualifies as sci-fi and... Uh, right now, they're dealing with the the virus killed a lot of humanity. Now the virus is attacking um, the food supply. So it's uh, so they they got their hands full. Hmm. Yeah, I wanted to share when you mentioned the Orville made me think of it. So our friend Chris Wood, Chris and Charity Wood, mm-hmm. he posted this on Facebook, and I thought it was great because the first read when you hear him write about it, you're thinking, oh, he's talking about the Orville, right? Yeah. And so it's, he wrote this, and it's actually a quote he took from somewhere else. It's sad to see this ripoff series going on the air, particular for us fans who have been there since the beginning. I think he should have named it something else, maybe Starfleet, because the new show will be obviously different from the original. Fans are beseeching producers to halt plans. Outrich Star Trek fans. And then, you know, you get down a little bit, talking about Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> so... Yeah, there was a lot of uh, nerd rage. <laughs> so you think about that even with like Orvo, mm-hmm. you know, uh, which is what he thought he was talking about. He was also the one that he said it was the first first uh, Seth MacFarlane show that he liked. Oh, okay. So he was he was the guy that did that. But we got to have Chris on the show again. We haven't had him for a long time. Right. Good man there. Good man. Good man. 
All right, uh, my sci-fi world, what's going on? Well, I want to talk about Dave Sellers. I mentioned earlier, he mentioned a comment you made, Miles, because we were talking about it, um, Star Trek fans being in agreement. And you said, well, if we put six Star Trek fans in the same room, we'd all... We'll get seven opinions. Seven different opinions, yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, he said, and he said he totally agreed with that. Mm-hmm. So, so just so you know, he, he, he was on your side when he said that, so... Yeah, we're, we're we don't we're a very contentious lot. Yeah, uh, do you put yourself in that lot as well? No, not. I mean, I have <laughs> I, I, I consider myself opinionated, but I don't I don't let it get, go too far. Let it get too far, then, yeah. right? So the other thing that I have done is I've been reading probably more than watching. I I, I watched some. Um, I've been watching some Death Note with my son, but I, there wasn't like nothing real sci fi ish. Um, but I'm reading, uh, I don't know if it's the newest, but, but a very recent John Scalzi book, Scalzi book. How do you pronounce the last name, ma'am? Scalzi? Scalzi? Scalzi. Scalzi. He's um, lovely. We've played ukulele together. Oh, I know. I remember that. I remember you talking about that. <laughs> Love John Scalzi. He's so, awesome. Yeah. He rewrote this book called The Collapsing Empire, book one. So it was like going to be a book two or three. I don't know. I just finished it today and he left me hanging. Dag Burnett mm-hmm. um, made me want to like pick up the next one, which isn't out yet. But it's read by M's personal friend uh, Will Wheaton. How cool is so, that? Yeah, Look, very I go good. on a cruise with a dude and see him for seven to twelve minutes the entire seven days. Yeah, he like, should... I got more FaceTime with him this year. Um, we have friends and we have a, cl- a couple of close friends in common, and so he's a protective guy so he's not my close personal friend he's just a close personal acquaintance <laughs> so so anyway um but read by him well read and it's a really fun book way too short in my opinion but then mm-hmm. again i'm used to reading like game of thrones style books which like go on forever a thousand pages epics. long yeah they're epics and, and this is and you, know it, you should have ahead. you read ron chernow's book um alexander hamilton no I should it's read it. long, but it's amazing. It's a, it's, I, I might, I, I'm starting to read historical biographies again because of Ron Chernow. No, oh, there you go. He's, Anyways, when I say I read it, I read it in an audible, right? So I'm, you know, I'm going, I did a half marathon and I'm running, running, listening to this and it's just, it was a good book. It was a, it was a great read. And, um, and so if you like John Scalzi, I can't recommend this book more. It's, it's about this. I'll just give you a little bit of premise. It's about this universe that faster than light travel doesn't exist, but these things called the flows that kind of connect planets and allows people to travel somewhat fast. But it's called the collapsing empire because literally we're we're watching an empire that's on the verge of collapse. Mm -hmm. And you follow two or three characters through it, and it's a big chess game. And I love it. It was it was well worth it, and well worth the read, especially if you like any of other John's work. Like he did red shirts, love red shirts, um, and um, he's done a, he's written a lot of other stuff. But those are the that's the one that comes to my mind. But. I wonder how far they've gotten on the TV show because red shirts was being optioned for that. Yeah, I don't know yeah. If they got so further I don't know. than that, I don't know. But hey, if any of you would like to like check it out, and you don't have an Audible account, you want to listen to Will Re- Will Re- <laughs> Will Wheaton read? If I can speak here, um, you can you can get it for free. Just sign up at audibletrial.com backslash sci-fi diner, and uh, this book can be yours for free to listen to on your way to work, jogging, feeding the dog. I don't know. 
Doing data entry. Yeah, data entry. Doing right. expense reports. Exactly. Well, I have, while I do expense reports, I listen to books. Oh, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so so that's what I've been doing. And then um, I've also been playing a game called King's Raid, which is like an MMO on the phone. And um, I've gotten pretty addicted to it. That's probably bad. But I had, to, I, had, I had to say, okay, Scott, you have to stop the game right now. Do other things. <laughs> One of those things. But yeah. So that's it. That's it for my news. Cool. Yeah. Why don't we move into some uh, just regular news before we get into the main show here? We have some news about J.J. Abrams. Well, what happened? That was that was a bomb drop today. So it looks like he'll be what writing and directing the new uh, uh, what, the next Star Trek film. Yeah, two thousand nineteen. Two thousand nineteen. Yeah, keep calling it Star Trek. You're gonna get, we're gonna get a lot of hate mail for this. Well, he only has three Star Trek movies attached to him, so it's. It's kind of hard to divorce that. Yeah. I'm trying. You're trying. Yeah. You're trying. But, uh, yeah, so what, what do you think of this, Miles M? What do you think about having J.J. James back at the helm for this film? I feel pretty good about that. I mean, I, I, I enjoyed uh, The Force Awakens. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic at this time. That'll probably be good. Yeah. M, how about you? I look. I respect the work that he does. Uh, he respects the genre. He's not gonna. He's not gonna have. You know what it. So. Yeah. So and we really don't have anything else to compare it to, unless you go to Rogue One, which isn't really part of this trilogy. The second movie in the trilogy hasn't come out yet, mm-hmm. so. We don't have much. No, but I have to. tickets for that already too. <laughs> but what Em said... has her life planned out. <laughs> movie world. Well, I booked. I I bought out an entire movie theater for my department at work. Oh, so well. we could go see it after we have our big annual end of year meeting. Oh, cool! What a great place you so work at. I bought, I bought out the whole theater, two hundred and fifty-four seats. <laughs> nice. But look, you can't go wrong with no. TJ. I mean, he's not perfect. He has a certain style, um, but he does have a a respect. Not a. I don't even know if it's a reverence. I wouldn't call it like. A religious faith in it but no but he respects filmmaking and storytelling right. and he definitely respects the genre um based on what he's done with star trek so and he's probably more I of say a, bring it on he's more of a star wars fan than a star trek fan so yeah i i mean i think he's got whatever he does he's gonna set out to make it great oh yeah no doubt about that no doubt about that so i think i'm looking forward to it i'm excited about jj abrams at the helm I'm yeah. I'm excited for more more Star Wars. I just want some lens flare off the lightsabers. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. I was trying to give you a Star Trek reference here, Miles, since you've been wanting to talk about J.J. Abrams' of Star Trek tonight. But... Well, I can't wait for J.J. to engage in Star Wars. Oh, <laughs> ooh, that's that, that's Star You're Trek. You're welcome. Yeah. Hopefully he'll <laughs> hopefully he'll boldly go or no. Well, <laughs> he'll better go where yeah. some have gone and shouldn't have. There were rumors of another Death Star. <laughs> did you see that floating around in the, I did in the ninth death. movie? Quite frankly, they I really hope that they don't build a Death Star. Yeah, I don't think they need a big ultimate weapon. I they, mean, they, they, they got close enough in Force Awakens. What did they call it in Force Awakens? I don't know. It was some planet thing that looked like the Death Star. It was, a, it was like a death planet. The thing would suck in the energy, the fusion 
and fission of a of a sun. Yeah, let's not talk about the science itself. of that. But well, so well, you, you needed a little bit. So you first you had the Death Star, that was you know this huge horrible thing, and then they built it again, but they didn't know that it's fully operational. And you know you've got your other Death Star. So then if it's they follow up with a death planet, right. the only thing that they could come up with now is like a black hole or some sort of nebula. How about, how about a death sun? They haven't done that yet. I know. Well, how could they? Like, it's a giant ball of fission. Can't really. They could do a death star. Oh, wait, they did that already. But at this time, it'd be an actual star. Like, I'm thinking of the next most ominous, you know, heavenly body. So it's got to, they're, they're going to make a, a black hole generator. I don't know. I think, I think like the death comet just doesn't have quite the punch that Death Star does. They, they, they don't <laughs> anyway. need an ultimate death weapon. Asteroid. I mean, Empire Strikes Back was, is probably one of the best, if not the best Star Wars movie. And there was no Death Star or Ultimate Planet. Amen, brother. And, and so you don't, you don't, I mean, you, you, yeah, you don't need a Death Star. I mean, I've, I've seen some pictures of what the new Star Destroyers look like, and they look totally badass. So <laughs> that that should be fine. You, so you're good with that, right? I, I'm you're good. You're good. All right. Well, I'm all super right. giddy. There we are. Well, before we go into our main show talking about Game of Thrones, we want to thank our Patreon supporters for supporting us. And uh, you know who you are. Jay, my husband, Remy Lavatoire, and Mark Foppin, who have all been supporting us on the Sci-Fi Diner. And you can support us, too, by going to Sci-Fi Diner. Uh, that's not right. <laughs> I'm giving you the wrong address. Uh, <laughs> Patreon.com backslash uh, sci-fi. And you can sign up, support at different areas. You know, quite frankly, we love any way you support the show. Patreon's just one of the ways you can help us financially. And you can get something out of it. I mean, we'll talk about you in the show in good good ways. Not like not like M talks Always. about me. Not like M talks about me. No, we definitely won't do that. No, but well, uh, they're well, listening. They know why I talk I, about you. I, I, I know, but uh, they, uh, you know, we'll mention you in the show. You'll get a mention on the website, and uh, depending on what you, how you support us, we have some great loot to give away. We have some great signed and autographed photos from some of the next generation people, and mm-hmm. uh, and some other some other great people. And you go on over to patreon.com backslash sci-fi to find all that out, and you can give me a chance to say, hey, why don't they talk about this? You can get a voice in that. Yes, you can. You can suggest. Are you the level talk. where you could actually come on the show? Yeah, that's the uh, that that's the third level. They can. We, we made a third level that so if they support us for like ten dollars a month, uh, for at least three months, then they can, a they can either get in the show, or if they aren't, some people are like Mike shy. Um, they can at least tell us what they'd like us to talk about. So, so awesome. we give a couple options there for people. Awesome. So, yep, you can get in the show. So, but we want to thank all of you who support us in the many different ways, both emailing, Facebook, and Twitter, and uh, all sorts of social media, and those who have written in and supported us financially in the past. So, Thank you. If yeah. you can, uh, go to iTunes and give us a five-star review. Oh, yeah. Yep, all about that. Um, um, if you love us, like, I, I'm a big fan of a good, honest review, so if yeah. You know, Scott is being too much of a jerk. You can leave a four-star review. <laughs> or oh, man. if Miles is being particularly adorable, you can give us a five-star five review. So. <laughs> or if Kiefer comes on, that's a guaranteed adorable. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's definitely adorable. But he's the cutest. Anyway, that's exciting. Thank yeah. you for giving us stuff and money. Yeah, absolutely, it's always uh, always we're always uh, gracious for that. But very appreciative. But do you know anything about Colossus from Mike Crate? I can't say that I do. Okay, well. He, I just got a voicemail from him. I'm going to check it out. Maybe we'll tack it in at the end of the show. Okay. So Is that the movie Colossus? It might be. The really weird one with the chick and the... That is a weird movie. Well, he, he said, hi, guys. Well, you did ask. Take care, Mike. So we must have talked about it in one of our shows. And Mike Crate writes in, and he has a, something in Colossus here. Hmm. So. Oh, put a pin in that. I would like to discuss that later. Uh, do I, we can discuss it now. I can play it right now. All right. It's a, if it's what I think it is, it's a weird movie. Let's see what he says. Colossus sees all, senses all, knows all, controls all armaments and all defenses. When this emotionless creation becomes the master of man, the result is catastrophic. Hi, guys. Given the Gatecast is all wrapped up and its progeny, the Stargate Archives podcast, is a much more relaxed endeavour with no fit schedule, I'm delighted to find the time to not only watch more sci-fi, but also do something like this. So, The Forbin Project is a movie released through Universal back in 1970 and was based on the 1966 novel Colossus by Dennis Pelton Jones. The premise is that the US government funds an ultra-secret and technology-leaping project to create a computer, or an AI as we review it today, which would make use of the entire US military surveillance network and infrastructure to detect, analyse and respond to any threats to the nation, be they conventional or nuclear. Colossus was housed in a huge mountain complex, sealed from outside interference, but ultimately still just a tool for the military and civilian authorities to exploit. As you may guess, Colossus ends up being a lot more than the sum of its parts. As Dr. Charles Forbin, played by Eric Braden, who is perhaps best known to a modern audience for his 2,500 plus appearances on the USO, The Young and the Restless, has built a system which, when activated and publicly announced to the world by the US President, informs them that there is another machine like itself in the Soviet Union. The CIA confirmed there was a suspicion of a project named Guardian being built, and so Colossus requests lines of communication be opened to this other machine. This is provided, and the two machines begin to talk, and soon we see them develop a mathematical-based language which rapidly evolves beyond the comprehension of Forbin and his team. In panic, the links are terminated, but then Colossus demands that they are reconnected, and the President stands firm. Ah well, as you are no doubt ahead of me, logic and emotion class as Colossus launches a nuclear missile towards a Russian oil facility, and Guardian responds with a launch against a US Air Force base. Who will blink first, the machines or the humans? Well there you go, if you want to know what happens then you'll have to watch the movie. And believe me, it is well worth it. The Forbin Project is not a sci-fi movie in the sense they were looking into the far future, the technology shown was the technology of the day, and maybe a little more integrated than it really was. The decision probably gave the movie a more mass market appeal than the average sci-fi movie of the time. But in truth, this is a character piece as Forbin and Colossus dance a very dangerous tango, as logic and emotion continue to clash, yet always there are glimpses that in between the brutal actions of the machines, there was still hope that mankind could slip out of the grasp of the dictator, who after all, is only looking to protect its charges from themselves. To the cold logic of the machines, free will, independence and self-determination are all overrated and have proven to be detrimental to the species as a whole. I can highly recommend the movie, probably pick it up very cheap on DVD or streaming services. I recently purchased the Blu-ray for about £9, excellent quality as well. Take care guys, Mike from the UK signing off. 
This is the dawning of the Age of Colossus. <laughs> I'm Dr. Charles Foreman. In a few moments, Colossus will address us directly. This is the voice of world control. I bring you peace. It may be the peace of plenty and content, or the peace of unburied death. The choice is yours. Obey me and live. Or disobey and die. The frightening story of the day man built himself out of existence. Colossus, the Forbin Project. <laughs> that wasn't quite what I was expecting. <laughs> nope. But that was not what I was. But it sounds interesting. Yeah, it sounds interesting though, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that does sound interesting. So, uh, thoughts on what uh, Mike shared about this movie? I, first of all, I've never heard of this movie, so maybe that maybe I need to hand you my geek card, Miles. Well, it was from 1970. I I, I haven't heard it either. The year I was born. Uh, so, I, I mean, I don't even remember it being on TV, but it's something I might have to check out. I mean, it, 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 forty some years ago, but it still sounds like it's. Uh, Sounds like it, it, it has a remake potential. The themes it explores would work today. Well, especially with like AI, the the prominence of AI. We were we had a discussion about that the other week about AI and uh, you know artificial intelligence. This is kind of playing into that kind of thought. I haven't mm-hmm. watched a movie, but it probably inspired other movies. I'm thinking you know there's probably inspired some of some of uh, Terminator. I would think. Uh, yeah, or something like that. Uh, what's your thoughts in this album? It's oh, I'm gonna have to watch it because it just sounds. It's di- I was thinking of the movie Colossus with um the chick who thinks who manages to control this creature and it's affecting that's uh, crushing Korea. Um, but this this is very this is just strange and interesting, and I'm gonna have to watch it. So just so you know, um, it is this movie is referenced in the Terminator. In 1984, mm-hmm. uh, Terminator 2 references it. Um, Terminator 3 references it. I Robot, Terminator the Sarah Connor Chronicles, um, Warehouse 13 references it. Futurama. So it's apparently yeah, it's apparently a well-known show. Like at least people who are like diehard science fee- science fiction people, you know, this is something that they they know. Yeah, it's definitely inspired other movies, you can tell. Yeah, you can definitely. And then, so I haven't watched it, but, but Mike, I'm, I'm glad you brought it to our attention. It may be something that I do decide to check out. But And and just so you know, it looks like there is a movie called Colossus, which is a remake that is in development. Oh, okay. Hmm. So at least when IMDb is saying that it's in development titles, that's what they call it. There's no information on it, just that it's in development. Hmm. But Mike, thank you so much for sharing that. Very good. Yeah. Well, let's get in and talk about some Game of Thrones stuff. So yeah, we, what a what a season, what a season finale we, we got. Uh, it's it it's, it's sad. Worth wait two years till we get to come back. Yeah, but I have a countdown clock in my uh, on my computer. I'm sure there are people that do. There is. I yeah. saw one out there. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure people have told Siri to remind, you know, let them know when when season eight comes back. 
by, <laughs> by then the iPhone will be like fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah, <laughs> but but so, it, looking at the finale review, I just look you know look what, rewatched it and just picked out what what in TV they don't, they don't call them scenes they call them acts. So I have like we have eight different acts. Act, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so Miles overall impression of the finale uh did it did it did you did you like it love it can't wait for two years to pass by were you like oh it was great but you know yeah uh, what, what was your sentiment overall before we get into the nitty-gritty of it i think it satisfied expectations uh, i enjoyed it immensely and, and it made me only wanting more i mean at the you know they they leave you at a place where I mean, the the last scene is just incredible, but you you want to you want the story to continue. You you want to read the next chapter, and we're gonna have to wait you know wait a while for the next chapter to come out. So, I think they did a good job this this season, and and was particularly with their season finale. Yeah, and um, how about you? When you, when you looked at it, uh, how how did you feel about the overall episode for the finale? For the finale piece, it was it was satisfying. It left me with a bunch of questions. Um, That's not. I've watched it a couple of times now, <laughs> but it was it was a lot of vindication. There was a lot of moments that I I was really really hoping to get that level of satisfaction before we had to wait eighteen months for another for another taste of all of this. So um, I'm very happy. I still have a lot of questions. Which uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll get to that point because there's some stuff that now leaves me wondering. Like I don't, I'm wondering if Cersei is really pregnant, or if she's just got kind of like um, Queen Mary. Uh, she, after King Edward died, Queen Mary took um, took the throne in the UK, and she married the king of the the king of Portugal, and he was a horrible idiot. Um, but she never bore children, and she finally she kept saying, "Oh, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant." Turned out to be this big, horrible tumor that ended up killing her. Um, so I'm wondering if Cersei's evil, like, is is manifesting itself into this horrible thing in her belly, especially since she's not she's not only supposed to have you know those three children, but it just like that's how <laughs> that's how intensive right. my thought process is after watching the show. <laughs> well, you know, maybe, that I have maybe what's that it's. Maybe what's in her stomach is not human. Could be. Well, she's not related to the dragon, so couldn't be that. I think it, and maybe the Lord of Light let some put something in there. Who knows? But it's it's led me to a depth of of conspiracy theorizing that I didn't realize I could go to. That's pretty <laughs> cool, though. I like that theory. Yeah, that is great. Yeah. That she's manifested her evil into a death baby, yeah. into truly the Antichrist. Yeah. Well, she's it's a just person. she she is, and it's just. Well, we'll talk about her, you know, more about. Uh, just, I, I I saw there's this, I don't know, this theme that was sort of explored in the show, and that was. Do you know the the importance of keeping your word or breaking your word and i think we saw that really manifest itself with Jon snow and i think we'll see that manifest itself with uh with cersei lannister also yeah. Yeah. 
So, so we start Act One, right? The mm-hmm. the gathering of Queen Cersei and Queen Daenerys, and they meet and how to deal with the army of the dead. Right, and um, but during that, the, we we see this opening scene of of Jaime and Braun having this conversation. They see the the army of the Unsullied marching, and it gets a little sophomoric about and and. And Braun is the one who who's asking the questions about you know why do these men fight? They've they've had their man parts um, taken away. You know he's asking what's left to fight for. And so you know Jamie says gold, family, and the uh, Braun says you know man parts, man parts. He goes, it's I guess it is about man parts. It's it's, it's a little. <laughs> you can't sim- have a family. Can't have a family without the without your bits. That's right. 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 And, you know, soldiers spend money on their, you know, enjoying their, you know, to, to provide enjoyment for their man bits. <laughs> and so it's, it, it was a little silly, but man it was. Man bits. That's going to be the name of the show. <laughs> it, it was fun. No. Name my new it's band. It's not. Name my new band. That's fine. <laughs> pass, pass. Man, man bits. <laughs> but now we get to the silly, we get to, to the serious, and just we see. First, we see Cersei as a doubter. I mean, but then she sees uh, Daenerys come on her dragon, and it's majestic. You see the two dragons flying, and um, she, for, she's still a doubter about this army of the dead. Well, they, they, they managed to capture one of these uh, dead soldiers or whatever, and it's chained up, and it almost gets Cersei, and so that gets her attention, and... Um, uh, I don't. The the, the Greyjoy, who is the king of the of the Iron Islands, he, he says, "Can they swim?" Yes. No. What's his name? But uh, I, I like what he says. He says, um, "I'm I, I've seen so much in this world. There's very few things that terrify me. That terrifies me. I'm going back to my island." Um, is it Theon? It's not Theon. No, the, the, Theon is. No, uh, Theon's. The boy. He's 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 with um, uh, Queen Daenerys. Oh, his name starts with a vowel. Is it like Euron? Maybe that's E E U R O N. Euron. But Euron. That's it. But he's a total jerk, and you want to see him get his eventually. Hmm. So, what what do you think of this opening act, Em? Um, are we? Oh, is it, I thought we were going to do a general. Dis- are we doing like? Well, we can do scene gen- by scene. No, we we can. Uh, we we, can, oh. we can discuss any way we want here. So we can take that. Uh, but he, Miles just started saying this is the way the episode op- opened and with this kind of sophomoric discussion. But it sounds like this episode was much more than that. Yeah, you have the basically you have you have the two queens and their respective advisors and, and armies meeting. It's like. But, you know, the, Daenerys' people is trying to do sue for feel, truce. Do you feel like the conversation between, um, um, I just lost the name here, between uh, between Jamie and Braun are echoes of the Queen's meeting in some way? Mm, no. I find, so in that opening scene where you, you, you see, there's no real discussing. You don't really have to discuss the just basically the corner these guys are painted into and so braun boils it down to the bare facts no pun intended to the <laughs> to the root of <laughs> to make it another in the entendre 
I don't know if it's, I wouldn't call it sophomoric. I would call it the most instinctual way for him to point out to him that they're screwed. And to uh, that Braun points out to, um, to Jamie that they're just screwed because these guys, most, it, it is the driving factor for most, it's, it's, it's the, you've, for most men, I get it. Like you have to fight for your junk and you fight for the stuff that your junk gets you and your junk gets more stuff once you win it and you fight for it. But if you've taken away their junk and they are just beings who want to exist there, that is a will that is, that is unfathomable. And just to take it and to simplify it to the point of, you know, it's because they're without their junk, you know, we're, that's why they're screwed <laughs> because they have their junk and, these guys are relentless and there's, there's nothing else to do. Um, and the Dothraki, I mean, they fight with their junk, <laughs> not literally, but it's, it really shows them just the magnitude of the poop hole that they're in <laughs> Right. because, and that's when Jamie really realizes like, we, we have to do this. We have to have this accord. We have to have this moment. He's the only, he's the only sane I think he and Mycela were the only sane, um, sane people, and and Tyrion is sane-ish, but I, I think the, of the Lannisters, they're the only ones who really saw reality because they were, because they are a little bit more simple, because they are a little bit more, they're not as driven, hmm. and to see that queens come together, first off, was that not the best, the best entrance ever like there's showing up fashionably late and then there's flying in on a dragon that is just the most badass way (laughs) to show up somewhere it was majestic talk about a way to make an entrance it was phenomenal it was it was you see again it the magnitude of what's going on to have all of these powerful figures and the fact that they recognize John as a king by giving his him his own little like corner and chuppah to for he and his people to get behind and to have all those little vignettes between everyone, between the hound and Brienne and between Jamie and Tyrion and then the hound in the mountain and just oh and and to have Bronn, Podrick and Tyrion back together, the three musketeers. That was lovely. That was a nice little glimpse of the past. Oh, yeah. It was like the band getting back together. Yes, exactly. There were so many good, like, it was so lovely. Mm. I don't know if you guys watched on HBO the making of or the behind the scenes part where it was all the actors talked about it being their the, the their most favorite thing to film that they filmed for like 14 days and all of them were like in the same hotel and they all got to hang out and it took a little longer to film because they just kept screwing around. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, when, when you talk about like all this, um, in the middle of this, um, for you, were there any surprises that got pulled? Oh, yeah. Um, Littlefinger. I was not, I was expecting, like, because I'm so used to Littlefinger winning. I was screaming at the TV, yelling at Sansa, you are a fool. You are a child. 
What is wrong with you? You know he's bad. He's made of evil. I just kept yelling at the television. So that moment when she turns and the way I I honestly thought something was he'd actually succeeded in, in driving a wedge between the girls. And the moment when Sansa turns and Arya's just got that majestic quite not majestic. She's got that Mona Lisa smile. That smile that says, I know something. I'm not going to tell you it, and I'm not going to tell you how I'm feeling about it, but you're screwed. I I like, I mean, that's the next scene is you see what appears Littlefinger playing Sansa like a violin. And this line, this thing he says is going to come to bite him later. Uh, He says, I like to play a little game. Yes. (laughs) Sometimes when I try to understand a person's motives, I assume the worst. Yeah. Yeah, so that that was so that was. Were you surprised by that? I, I was. I, I was not expecting. I mean, we'll, we'll late, later in that episode we'll see um, Littlefinger get his. He he gets what's going to. Him. Yes. Uh, all all the, all the manipulating he has done, all the lies, um, his, his his sins have found him out. Some of the people I talked to, like at the school I teach at, were surprised that. Jamie lived through the episode. Oh, because there's that one scene where it looks like you know the mountains creeping closer to him, and mm-hmm. he's there kind of addressing Cersei, and he walks out of there alive. People were kind of surprised at that. I, I was surprised Cersei basically turned against her brother, but she she's so like like I said she she's just so mad with evil that sometimes you think she knows what she's what she's doing but sometimes she's so blinded by her evil she makes bad decisions and she she finally alienated the one of the few people that actually have her back and um, that's that her most loyal and oldest ally yeah and you could see it in Jamie's face you could see the heartbreak that's been I... that's been developed though over the past seasons. There's been numerous times where Jamie wasn't 100% a Cersei devotee, in my opinion. Yeah, but in a, like, for this to be the last straw, I'm, I, yeah. you just saw the defeat and the pain, and she's just, she is just batshit crazy. Yeah. <laughs> she's yeah. Targaryen crazy. Yeah. Well, in Act 3, it, what, 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 and it, what doesn't strike me so much is what, I mean, there's a brief scene where they decide should Queen Daenerys, you know, ride her dragon back or to, to the to the north, or should she, you know, sail with, um, you know, all her allies. And what what's really striking is the the exchange between Greyjoy and, and Jon Snow. Uh, I mean, Theon Greyjoy. We just see what character. We've seen where his character has come and gone these past seven seasons. I mean, um, basically, he was made an unsullied in one season, and this um, he uh, this broken man for uh, uh, Bolton, and he's slowly finding himself and trying to you know, okay, where do I fit into the world now? Okay, I will I'll back up my sister, but. You know, some people would say he was a coward. What he did, well, he, he you know, he had, his uncle had a sword, a knife to his sister's neck. The ships are sinking. You know, 
better to run. He could fight another day. Huh? So I don't, I don't begrudge him for you know, you know, running because he, 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 he there's nothing he could do, but there's something he could do now. And he, he and and John Snow had this exchange. He has brought a lot of pain and, and suffering to the Stark family, and the Stark family, you know, even though he was a got this hostage, he was still treated well. And as John said, my father was more of a father to you than your own father was. And he said, yeah, you're right, he was. And But he says, I can't forgive you for everything, but what I can forgive you, I do forgive you of. And what he says of him, you know, you, you don't have to choose. You're, you're a bit of both. You're a great joy and you're a Stark. Um, and so that's going to lead up to the next great scene where... Um, where or... or where, where, where Greyjoy is going to get his respect and, and get an opportunity to redeem himself when he tries to save his sister. And what are your thoughts on that? It's nice to see Theon back. <laughs> it's nice to see that Theon, the Theon we all hated and hated, um, found his place. Like, he found... Having that moment with John is this is that how far we're getting we're into? Yeah, sure. Yeah, it yeah. just yeah, that's the Theon that I'm just glad in general to have our Theon back. And I knew as soon as he was, as soon as he was doing it, as soon as he, he as soon as he and John finished having that conversation, I knew he was going back to the boat and he was going to have to either beat the crap out of or kill somebody to win everybody back. And said he has to have his own ass handed to him, but still at the same time, he wins the respect of of his troops by uh, standing his ground and, um, um, you know, being being able to take that guy. I mean, the guy thought you know by kneeing him in the man parts, he could defeat him. Well, Theon doesn't have man parts anymore, so uh, he was able to turn his disadvantage into advantage and. Um, win that fight. Right. Right. Well, very good. Well, why don't we take a short break here and we'll talk a little bit more about Game of Thrones in just a second, but let's give a word to our sponsors real quick. Sounds good. Are we up for that? Mm-hmm. So, sure. uh, yeah, we have, yeah, as M, you shared at the very beginning of the show, Archivos. Uh, Archivos, uh, helping uh, organize and manage <laughs> your original fan, your original and fan fiction stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Al. So, um, <laughs> so um, let me tell you about these sponsors. So Dave Robinson, who he's kind of a, one of the men or maybe the man behind this app, um, came you said, I, I met him years ago at Balticon, right? And so Balticon is a science fiction convention geared toward writers, right? In fact, we're talking about Game of Thrones. George R. R. Martin was a guest of honor, I think, a year or two ago. It was not that long ago right. that he was there. And not that if we went, we'd got a chance to interview him. I'm sure that doesn't happen too much anymore. Probably but, not. No. But, uh, you know, he, he, he's had this... Dave Robinson is at a heart for the writers. And so he had a podcast for the uh, uh, longest time. I, I think it was like the Writers' Roundtable. Dave, excuse me if I'm getting it wrong. Um, but they would have a roundtable with writers and just talk about, you know, pieces of writing. And then they would pitch writings and they would talk about how they could develop it. And so this idea of story development has been a passion of Dave's for years. Um both not only in his own creation of story, but also in helping other authors create. 
And so what he did, he came up, you know, uh, this has been development for a while, but he came up with his app um, that basically allows you to organize your story, Miles. You know, so basically you can put your characters in, you can put the relationships, you can put core events, you can put maps, and it will help you keep track of everything. Cool. So in a lot of ways, many authors sometimes they hear, you know, when they're writing, especially bigger works, they have this like Bible of of, uh, of like names, places, hair color, statistics about their characters, so they don't forget after a while. Mm-hmm. This is what this sounds like, but it's digital and probably a lot quicker to find stuff in. Probably easier to re- to recall that kind of information. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I thought, you know, maybe if George R. Martin actually used this app, we might get book six quicker. And and season eight sooner. Season eight sooner. Yeah, maybe not two years. Be like in like a year. What do you think, Ab? I don't, I don't think it's because he's disorganized about his characters. Because that dude can talk about his characters. <laughs> he's just, he he just doesn't know where the story is going to go. And as I understand it, like from this 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 app allows you to kind of keep. Doesn't it also allow you to kind of keep your storylines and your plots as well, so you can go back and reference, kind of yeah. like a card catalog of of where your of where your story is going. Did what, what's a card catalog? Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, You're older than I am. You I, know what it is. I know. I know. I've seen one of those things do, in ages. Do they still have those? The no, library? no, no. They're not there anymore. It's so all they, digital. It's all digital now? All digital. Now. Okay. Yeah. So, but anyways, um, of course, if 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 he got George R. R. Martin to use it, probably end up like Paul and Storm when they made their, you know, write and write quickly George R. R. Martin. Oh, song. yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't want that. No, um, no, but uh, Miles, maybe you you need this app. I I, I might need that myself. I may, I'm, I think I might look into that. Yeah, because you're writing a story for the next anthology. I'm of... hoping that the, the yeah the, the the Star Trek will do the the fan submissions, the Strange New Worlds uh, again, and so I'm yeah I'm working on a story. So Miles has been prepping a story for a long time, and this yes. may help you organize that story. Uh, I could use some help. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, uh, but what writer can't? Archivos did dot digital is where you'll find it. Dot you know it's not dot com it's dot digital, and if you go over there and you say you know what I want to try this out, uh, they have a great deal going on. It's five dollars a month or sixty dollars for the year, but you get the the next four months are kind of comp to you free. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a beta period, and then next year they start billing you. So two thousand till two thousand eighteen, you get it for. Like about three bucks a month, maybe a little bit more than that, mm-hmm. and that's not a bad deal for a writer to help you keep organized. That right. seems like a incredible, incredible deal. Yeah, so, it sounds like it could be, it could be a handy tool. Yeah, so if you go to the site and check it out, they have a lot of you know examples from like Lord of the Rings, you know, and how you know keeping stuff organized in that, and especially if you are a writer that's or maybe a game developer, even yeah, I mean, you were saying mm. you were doing some game. You know, voiceover stuff. You know, even in game development, there's a story. Anything that really calls for a story, this would help keep it organized, I would think. Sure. But, yeah, so uh, archivos.digital, um, and uh, we're going to play a promo for them. And right after this promo uh, and this little uh, commercial, we'll be back on to talk about Game of Thrones. If you're a storyteller, you need to check out Archivos a new story mapping and development tool from WonderThink Studios. Archivos provides storytellers with a unique opportunity 
the chance to actually see the network of interaction between the story elements of their settings. Through Archivos' interactive narrative maps, storytellers can discover and explore the patterns and structures that illuminate their stories. Archivos even allows you to share those maps with your readers, providing an utterly unique and compelling format for fan engagement. Archivos really is the story mapping and development tool for today's storytellers. Learn more about Archivos at www.archivos.digital. That's A-R-C-H-I-V-O-S dot digital. Archivos. Your stories illuminated. You're not going to get any younger, you know Winter is coming, I'm growing impatient And you've still got two whole damn books left to go So write, George, write like the wind And we are back So let's talk about Game of Thrones Where do we leave off, Miles? So we, we, so we, we did allude to uh, the Littlefinger meeting his demise But it was just done... So so well, he thinks he he manipulated Sansa. Well, he didn't realize he's got he he got himself manipulated. Um, he thought, you know, they, Arya was gonna have to answer for her crimes. Well, they turn around, and he has to answer for his. And Bran is in the room. So Bran, being three eyed Raven, and a, a, a war dog, he has actually seen some of this stuff. Um, uh, so Littlefinger has to answer for for himself and he answers he does answer and he is found guilty <laughs> he is found guilty yeah um, so, so what did you think of the way that scene played out were you satisfied with that i, I was satisfied with it I, I mean i the line where he says that which comes back to haunt him sometimes when i try to understand a person's motives i play a little game i assume the worst well sansa says that line and he and the look on his face is just like oh crap I am so screwed right now, <laughs> you know he he, you know he, he pleads look if 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 he we could talk about this alone I could explain. He realized that's not going to work. He goes to uh, his knights. He says I order you to to escort me back and and says, uh, I don't think so. And um, um, Bran even says um, I warned you not to trust me. So. Arya is she sees the execution being that she's handy with a knife. Uh, she she ended up being the executioner. She is handy with a knife. Yeah, with his own knife. That's she yeah. She did it with his own knife. That's even better. Yeah. So were you happy with the way this played out, Em? This was, I wouldn't call it happy because it's sad when somebody dies, but it was satisfying that he got his comeuppance. It was it was it was it was a suitable death. For for someone who just all of this all of this started because of him and his greed for the for the throne, I mean I'm all for aim high, but dang that was <laughs> he just he wanted the throne so badly that he threw the entire world into chaos and he kept playing this game of chess over and over again and no one seemed to have caught on but the girls did. I think, I think with Arya's time as as just surviving everywhere, 
and her time with the faceless men and understanding learning their philosophy behind people and really understanding people so that you could you could be no one she it 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 enabled her to really to to really understand who she knew who he was but now with this training i feel like she gleaned a whole lot more and was able to to kind of work it out with Sansa. Cause like one of the big questions on the internet was, you know, how did they plan it all? When did they plan it all? And I, I'm kind of glad that that was all off camera. I, because if they hadn't, then we'd be all sitting there going, Oh, here it comes. Here it comes. But instead we had that great, Oh my God. Kind of moment. I, it was very, very satisfying. Mm. Yeah. They had to have something to surprise you. Like, oh, well, most definitely. The whole episode had those really great, really great moments. Like at the end where we find out the one thing that every fan in, you know, the deep, deep fans have been saying that Jon Snow is truly a Targaryen. And then after the reveal from the, I think it was a previous episode when, um, when the, that young girl who I can't remember her name, the one who was the baby, um, Samwell's like sort of bride, Right. Um, when she starts reading it and then Samuel does the reading and then Bran, who, man, he is just, Bran is just stoned all the time <laughs> to have, that was the best, most satisfying moment of the show, but then really made the, like, it was this beautiful romantic moment between these two spirits that were clearly bonded together, but for a very kind of strange genetic reason. Yeah. So it kind of ruined it, but it also made it, it really, made it really creepy. It you did know? make it creepy. It made it real. Cause before right. you were like, Oh, haha, that's his aunt. But then you're like, Oh my God, that's his aunt. Yeah. Yeah. So it's that, but then you're like, Oh, Jamie and Cersei. Oh, that's nothing. I know. Exactly. <laughs> it's just like degrees, like degrees. There's a party. You yes. want to see them two get together, but then, then you realize, no, it's, it's wrong. <laughs> no, it could be worse. No. It could be worse. It could be brother. And, ugh. Oh God. Uh, that makes uh, Makes me yeah. stick up a little in my mouth. That's gross. I'm. Oh, I need water. So we got that revelation <laughs> that not only is you know, John John Snow, uh, about his parentage. I mean, he's, but we also get the fa- you know that, uh, his parents were actually married. So he's you know he's not a bastard. And 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 to compound that, um, he's the rightful heir of the Iron Throne. Yes, he oh, is. He is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they. they yes, they, he is. I like the way they. Well, it was just almost subdued in this. I mean, it was not a dramatic way. It was Bran and Samwell, you know. Two. I mean, I, I would. I, I don't want to diminish them, but I mean, as far as they're they're, they're more supporting characters, but to ha- have them. But it's interesting. One of them has some of the information. The other person has some of the information. The two of these guys come together, and there's like. It was a Reese's peanut butter cup of information. <laughs> that's it. A Reese's peanut butter cup. Yes. That's great. Perfect illustration. Hey, you got your Targaryen and my Stark. Hey, you got your Stark. <laughs> oh, 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 that's gross. Never mind. Please cut that. Please oh, don't. my. Oh. I'm disturbed in so I've many levels. I just disgusted myself. Oh. 
But oh, to be fine. fair, they they didn't know what well, was going true, on. That's true, though. That's that's the only thing. Like you're 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 you're, you're making light of it, but it's unfortunately true in Game yeah. of Thrones. Unfortunately. That or maybe that's what, or maybe that's what keep people. That's what that's what keeps people watching. Well, then, do you think Robert started this whole war because he knew that Liana was in love with um with, and so. He was not going to go gentle into that good night, and he was like, a he's like "Oh, lover. fine, steal my girlfriend. I'm going to lie and say you stole her and you raped her." Uh, but that was wasn't that Ned's? That was Bar- well, well, Robert Baratheon was when it ended up killing that. Uh, was it? Uh, I, I don't know if I'm saying his first name. Aragon. Aegon. Aegon Targaryen. He's the one to end up killing him. And Jamie killed Aegon. Oh. Well, talk about, talk about um, Jon Snow's father. Oh, Rhaegar. Yeah, Ra- yeah, Rhaegar was killed by Rhaegar Robert Baratheon, right? Yeah. So, so maybe Robert Baratheon lied about this and yeah, maybe and, and, and caused a lot of this big mess. Yeah, we'll find out. Kinda... We'll find out in t- two years. <laughs> so. Uh... There was a there was a, there was a theory is posited out there. So Arya, of course, is on a quest at least partway through this season to kill Cersei, right? Right. Yeah. So, do you think she's going to take up that quest and being she can change faces, like take on the face of Littlefinger to try to get close to Cersei? How Ooh, cool would that be? That's awesome. Because like does that. Cersei know that Littlefinger's dead? I don't. You know what they? they we may don't know not, that. We don't, yeah. We don't know. So it's possible that if they can keep the guys that he's still alive, mm-hmm. who knows? He, 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 you know, she could play Littlefinger and worm his way back in, you know. Yeah. She's quick with a blade. Very. So. Oh, my gosh. Maybe she can take care of that pregnant evil she's bearing. Would that be oh. infanticide? Just saying. I don't know. It depends on if it's an infant. We don't know. Maybe, yeah. Or if it's human. I don't, I don't. <laughs> We're not even. I mean, she, she she's alluded. She, well, she she said she's pregnant. She's made Tyrion believe that she's pregnant. That 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 will be revealed. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, other 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 thoughts on this episode? Other theories about what you think's happening? Where you think the show might go? Well, I wonder. The the back up. This wasn't the episode where the wall came down. That was the prior episode. No, it was this. No, episode. this well, is the episode was, was that was the last scene. Yeah. Last scene, the wall. Thoughts Shaka about that. Shaka when the walls fell. I know, right? I mean, come on. This is like a wall made of magic, and all it takes is one dragon. Like, oh, oh, come on. You didn't get that Star Trek reference? I did. Yeah, see, I Thank did. Thank you, it. Miles. Yes. Yeah, Miles would. <laughs> Miles would get the Star Trek reference. Mm-hmm. Miles with his arms open. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I got that reference. Okay, good. Yes. So, so the army of so the 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 army of the dead have an undead dragon and. How cool is that? Oh, it was badass. It was. How cool is that? Mm-hmm. A frost dragon. The the night the, the ice, night king. Ice dragon, I guess they call it. I uh, you know I don't know what I mean. Fire, ice, whatever's coming out its mouth, but it just took out the wall, and then you just you, you hear. I forget the, the the one wild thing's name. I like his character, but his name eludes me at the moment. But he just there's only one thing to say: run, everybody, run. I mean, there's nothing you know. You know the the walls coming down. Oh, um, Tormund. Tormund. You know, yeah. you see him, and he just you, you you know we'll see who survives. You know, 
that was there at the, at, at the wall. Hmm. I don't think Tormund and Beric are dead. Oh, I don't either. I we didn't see them die, so they can't be dead. Because I have a crazy crush on Tormund. <laughs> I like him big and dumb and like redheaded. I love a ginger. And, and, and the Scottish accent. Somebody has. No, he's Norwegian, but I can't think from where, like where in that region of Norwegian. Oh, okay. <laughs> he is. But yeah. he's. He's he's such, he's such a great character. Oh, he's hilarious. Monstrous babies. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, I remember when they tried to you know capture one of the army of you know, the undead, and he's saying about you know how how you stay alive up here, and um, he's still about fornicating. He goes, mm-hmm. you know, there, there, there's no women. And he goes, oh, you make do. You know, he's just you know he's having fun with he's having fun screwing with those guys. Oh yeah, messing with that them. was. There was this was on across the entire across the entire spectrum of the seven episodes. I think maybe episode two was slow for me, but everything just delivered. I was every episode was satisfying. Yeah, which I last season there were maybe three or four episodes that I was like, all right, the exposition, great, move on. But these. The stories were told with such care. I was so happy. Yeah, and there's always important things happening that that move the story along. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like there was anything in this episode that didn't really belong in your opinion? Or did it, was everything just so right? I'm going to have a hard time finding anything like to you complain nitpick about. the episode. Yeah, I'm going to have a hard time nitpicking this. I, th- I think they fired on all cylinders. I mean... There's some there's sometimes when you have to slow down and catch your breath, um, but I, I like there's some really good lines in each scene. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm have a hard time um, complaining. Hmm. Okay, I'm well. You both know me well. <laughs> so uh, leave, wait, wait. Maybe uh, I, I, I will have a hard time. Like, hold my beer. I'm here. I got this. <laughs> so uh, we're ready. Go for it. Okay. <laughs> The problem I had, there were, I had an issue with Bran and I had an issue with travel. Somehow there's some sort of like wormhole that gets everybody everywhere around the continent and their world um, in, in an instant. Get queens, get, you know, get a message to the queen. And like within minutes, it's, it feels and overnight, they get a message to her. the The crows are just, or the ravens are flying like at supersonic speed now, and dragons can fly at supersonic speed. Like that drove me a little bit crazy. Like how quickly time passed, and it's something that a couple of people have brought up too. Like it's, I I feel like it's been pushed because we had all the books kind of outlining everything that needs to happen step by step by step. But now we are totally within an open world, an open realm where all you have is like bullet points from the, from its creator. So you just kind of cram it all in. And I'm hoping that the second season is paced a little bit slower or they, they do a better job of portraying the passage of time. Um, And then with Bran, I see everything. Well, why didn't he see the marriage? Why didn't how he should have? Because he 
when he was talking to Samwise, he said, no, his name should be Sand because bastards from from the south are called Sands. And no, no, they were properly married. And he had to be coached to go back and see it. But if he knew that Liana, he knew about Liana and that his name was Egon Targaryen, that they named the baby Egon Targaryen. He, why didn't he go back and learn more or did he not care? How did there's just a lot of like or Bran is still trying to figure out how to be the three eyed raven. I, I don't know, but that just drove me a little bonkers. Like he should have known if he was delving deep to understand Jon Snow and his role in these things. He I, I, he I'm surprised he didn't dig a little deeper. I will agree their messenger service. I mean, for that world is, is, is pretty good. I mean, it. If, if we didn't have computers and airplanes, that's the kind of messenger service we, we I, I'd like to have. But yeah, they they, they can get they could pass off messages pretty fast. Hmm. And then the Tyrion and Cersei, their little scene together. Mm-hmm. Tyrion knows Cersei very well, so he sounded incredibly surprised about the pregnancy, but. Because he knows her well, maybe he thinks she's faking it. I don't know. So that's, uh, it just, Cersei just went, they did a really, I don't even know how to describe where they're taking Cersei. I don't understand her. So either they've done an amazing job to make her, you know, undistinguishable or indistinguishable from like normal people or make her completely unreadable or un, um, unpredictable. Or it's sloppy writing. Yeah, I, I wonder if if she's just telling one lie to cover up another lie. I mean, she, she basically. I mean, we. She basically lied to Queen Daenerys and the Allies that we will help you out. Um, you know, and 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 that's how that's and that lie is what basically forces Jamie to finally. You know, throwing the towel with uh, with her. Um, she's she at times she seems totally unreasonable. It's hard to say. I mean, she, she's had to do so much to hold on to her position that she's just prone to fits of irrationality. Yeah. Her uh, her de- desire for self preservation is unbelievable. So. They should all be expecting her to lie about everything. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. So um, you mentioned at the very beginning of our discussion here that there were unanswered questions for you. Yeah. I think we need to, We do need to talk about, uh, why don't we start with you? What are some of the unanswered questions that you have? And Miles, what are some of the unanswered questions that you have? We can, then you know I can share some things that I have here. But okay. go ahead. Uh, why don't you start us off? Okay, so... That moment between the hound and the mountain where the hound says, you know, what's coming, brother, you know, what's going to happen. Like what, what's coming or, you know, who's coming for you. What does it mean? Yeah. <laughs> this is all new. This is new information. <laughs> I don't understand. There's like, is there something in the book I missed? Um, is there more in the books? Cause I stopped reading it for, cause four was so thick and annoyingly, just it just was too it's much not in book five and book six and seven haven't been written yet so. right so in book five is there more about the hound and and the mountain 
Uh, wow, it's been a long time. Yes, but yeah. They're, I mean, they're beyond the books now, so. Right. So. But I'm asking, like, in the books, were there hints about, was there more about their history that would hit, that oh, this man, would hint I, to? I don't remember, Em. It's been a very long time since I read those books. So. Gotcha. So, okay. I don't want to tell you something wrong here. But. Uh, so, uh, other questions? Um, let's see. So, do you think the Night King divined that he was going to get a dragon? Because he just happened to have that one spear like the first spear looked like it was made of wood and ice and everything. The second spear was definitely just made of ice. Um, do you do you think they knew that they would? Like he's got the sight and the vision as well. Hmm. I don't know. See a warnog. Yeah, I've heard interesting theories about who the Night King is. Is uh, is he actually related to the Starks? Right. He's one of the first men. Mm -hmm. That's a good question. That is a great question, actually. Well, you know, when, when Bran has looked, done his vision quests, and he got too close to the Night King and the army that did, the Night King sees him. Right. He knows mm -hmm. he's, he's, he's doing it, so maybe he has, maybe he has that kind of second sight also. I just know. I want to know if Arya Stark's going to cross the na all the names off her kill list next season. Well, Sansa was on her kill list. Uh, so, well, and that's the other question: Are they going to repair their relationship? I think they may have. I think what just happened, they definitely did. They definitely are working that direction. Yeah, I don't think they're ever going to be besties because they. I mean, in, in the last episode, I mean, Arya gave it really bad to Sansa as far as the things that uh, you know she did when she was at King's Landing and um, you know just just uh, seems like you know selling out the family and, and just just kind of being weak and all that and so it looked like you know looked like, so I don't think they're ever going to be have the best relationship as sisters but I don't think I don't think Sansa has anything to worry about I don't think there's a respect there. They've both have, they've both paid their dues. Yes, I think there's definitely a respect between the two of them. Right, both both of them had to endure a lot, and um, I think they, you know, they may have had to make regrettable choices, but that's that's often true in life. So I don't, th I, I, I don't think Arya is going to hold that against Sansa anymore. Hmm. Uh, other questions that this episode leaves us with. We'll see who survives uh, with the wall coming down. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the impact that that'll have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if Tormund and Beric are still alive. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I really, I'm curious if Cersei's really preggy. Yeah, that's, that's obviously a question. Or can Daenerys get preggy? She tells us earlier that the dragons are the only children she'll ever have. Because her womb was cursed back in season one. Yeah, but like John said, is is that really a reliable source? Well, exactly. <laughs> I yeah. wonder where Jamie Lannister is going. Is he going to try to join up with uh, Tyrion? And do you think that he will be the one to bring Cersei down? Yeah, if the song, if the song that Ed Sheeran sang, is a t is is is. 
prognosticating or predicting the future, it'll I it's gonna he, she's gonna die by his hand. Well, and I'm I, uh I, I I'm predicting that. But I don't know that. I agree. Yeah, I think that might be a good thing. So, well, before we uh, jump into our sci-fi five and five, which are top five moments, Miles, I guess t- Miles top five moments in Game of Thrones for season seven. For the season seven, was it for the finale? No, it was for throughout the throughout, throughout the, the entire season. Before we get to that, anything else we want to say about this finale that we didn't touch on that we, we were like, oh my gosh, we need to touch on this before we wrap up the show. We got to say goodbye to Uncle Benjamin. Oh yeah. Oh. Yep, he, he he had one last act of heroism, uh, saving to save his beloved nephew. Yep. Aww. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? No, I think we did a pretty good job. Oh, covered. Yeah. Good. Well, listeners, as always, we welcome your thoughts on the Game of Thrones finale and anything that you had. Uh, some of your favorite moments, any theories that you have, we would love to hear them and we would love to talk about them, quite frankly. Any theories about where you think Game of Thrones is going or theories you have about the characters or what happened, we want to hear from you and you can just email us at the sci-fi under podcast at gmail.com and uh, we'll discuss it here on the show. Well, let's move into our sci-fi five and five top five moments for you, Miles, from the season finale, right? Yes. I don't oh, not finale, season. No, this is the whole season, yeah. The whole season, yeah. So, didn't mention him at all, but uh, another one of the characters I like, uh, Lord Varys. Um, he uh, he gets kind of grilled by uh, Daenerys questioning his loyalties. Basically, you know, he was there with her father. He was there with, with uh, uh, Baratheon. He was also there for um, Joffrey. And she's like, who are you loyal to? And he, And he's like... I'm loyal to the people, and he didn't um, back down. I mean, she, she, you know, she tried to grill him, but he he didn't um, cower away. He says, you know, I, you know, I'm loyal to you because I think you you'll you'll you'll, you'll do well for the people. Oh, okay. so it was it was a just the exchange the, the exchanges the, these people have is just is great to watch. Right, right. Uh, the next one I have is. is uh, this was from like two or three episodes ago. Uh, Daenerys's Dalfraki army and, and and dragon just lay waste to uh, who I call Team Lannister. Team Lannister. I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, I'm with Team Stark. I'm team, with team Lannister. <laughs> I, I mean, they just um, I'm Team Snow. Uh, conquered. Um, I forget this other powerful family took all their money basically mm-hmm. and. They're all high on this this victory, and then they have to deal with. I mean, the the, the Dalfraki just kicked their asses, and then the dragons come in, and it's just um, just enough people survive to give the bad news to Cersei. It's just like we're not gonna, you know, we're, we're not we're we're, we're not gonna survive this. <laughs> that was a uh, that was pretty bad. Yeah, it was a tr- tr- that battle scene was tremendous. Uh, the third one I have um, talked about a lot, uh, getting the band back together in the season seven finale with the meeting between Cersei and, and Daenerys. But seeing all the secondary and supporting characters reunite, even though if they're on opposite sides, uh, just just seeing and, and hearing their exchanges. I mean, um, seeing Braun and, and, and Tyrion, they were you know tight in, in the early seasons, and now they're on opposite sides. But just you know, they they they, they, they lob a few pot shots as it goes. It's good to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you too. Uh, mm-hmm. 
Is that was your number uh, three? Yes, three. Number three. Number two, number two, Daenerys and her dragon saving Jon Snow and company from the Army of the Dead. Um, they capture one of these things is, I guess, a lot harder than they had thought, and uh, one of them has to run to the wall. And M's complaint is is legit about as far as their communication. Somehow they they manage to get a, a raven back to Daenerys and. Um, their their fight the, the army of the dead and somehow she she and her dragons come and save them but it, it's great to watch it's just watching her and the dragons but I can see that is a that is a valid criticism just how fast some things happen and the last one I have is we, when we see the night king and his undead dragon destroying the wall it's just it's just a killer scene just watching that happen um, you know three of these. All deal with dragons. I didn't plan it that way, but uh, the the dragons are important characters in in, in this show. Yeah, Ev, do you have any moments to add to what would be a top moment for uh, this season? There's so many. <laughs> there's <laughs> so many. I know. Yes, yes. We limited it to five, but you know, there's many more that we can mention as well. But... Um. Any that you want to add? The moment that Daenerys is in the caverns with Jon and she says, you know, we're standing where they stood. We're standing where the first men stood. We're standing where the children stood. And this is this is the first this is the beginning and the reverence she had for for all of it. I think that's the moment when she she really had faith in Jon, him showing her this history that had been there for eons. I mean, I don't know how long it's been since the first men and the children, but that was, that was a moment that I thought was really lush. Um, uh, I loved when Arya ran into hot pie at the pub. Oh yeah. And, (laughs) and he was like, Oh my God, I didn't know, you know, you're pretty as a girl. That was really sweet. And he was a good piece of, he was a good, you know, bit of exposition who helped Brienne. Did you find the big woman? Um, (laughs) That was, that was a sweet moment. And then, because I feel like Arya snapped out of whatever maddening sickness had her on her, on her path down to the South. Because it, as soon as he mentioned, you know, John becoming king, like, she she actually looked him in the eye and paid attention and was listening and then she got on her horse and 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 turned north that was a very important moment for me to see that cuz i knew the the starks the stark the surviving stark children would come back together and be a force to be reckoned with yeah um those those two really those are the few and the ones that that miles has pointed out yeah, they were good. Um, yeah. And I, I like any moment with, with Braun because he is he is reality. He's 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 the Jiminy Cricket nobody wants. He's right. the conscience yeah. that clearly he's Jiminy Cricket after he smoked a couple and had too much to drink and was out whoring the night before and was like, Look, this is what's going on. You make a decision. I'm gonna go sober up. Like it's Braun is 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 the conscience everybody needs but nobody really 
I like that description of him. That's a great description of Bran. He's yeah. he's so good. Yeah. I feel like the next season will open up and we'll see Jamie like continuing down the road and then he'll go in somewhere and he'll get himself into a kerfuffle and there's Bron. He's like, "Oh, you stupid get." And getting him out of <laughs> getting him out of trouble <laughs> cuz he he's he's driven he's driven by money, but he's driven by loyalty too and I think he I think in his heart he loves the Lannister boys. Yeah. In a non-HR violation kind of way. <laughs> yeah, true. True. I think that's good. I think that's a good moment and a good analysis of Bronn too. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we did a good job of tearing apart the season finale and we as we said before and and even these moments from this past season and we're grateful that you joined us along for the ride of our discussion of Game of Thrones. And hope that you didn't listen to this saying, wait, I didn't watch that yet. So a little bit late now, but... We did warn you. We did warn you. We gave you ample warning for that. But we are very grateful that you that you, that you stayed with us for the ride. And I think that's about it, Miles. All right. Yeah. So anything else, Em, before we wrap this up? Uh, be sure to have your space trousers. Yes. Space pants. <laughs> 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 I mean, I just watched that the other day. I know. I, mean, with, I, I God, I love that actor. He's so good. And <laughs> sorry. Yeah. We'll have to we're end talking sh- about Tyrion. We'll, we'll have to, we'll have to end the show with the space pants on. That's only fitting. It is. Yes. Definitely. Look at my space pants. Oh, my. Anyway. Yes. On that note, Miles, why don't you take us out of the show? Till next time, good night and good luck. We'll see ya. Do your dailies. My name is Jonathan Cummins, and this song is called Space Pants. Begin transmission. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for... My pants! Boys and girls, I think you'll find that my pants will blow your mind. Look at my pants with the eyes.
<laughs> it always is about you, 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 you. It's never about me, 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 me. You, 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 you. 